Hello, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us today. My name is Susie Gelman, and I'm privileged to serve as the board chair of Israel Policy Forum. If you're joining Israel Policy Forum for the first time today, I want to welcome you. And if you are a returning viewer, I want to welcome you back. I hope that everyone who celebrated had a festive and meaningful Passover holiday. Today's webinar is made possible by the generous support of our donors. For those donors joining us today, thank you. Your generosity is critical in helping us to reach tens of thousands of policymakers, community leaders, journalists, and interested individuals like those of you on today's call. If you're not yet an Israel Policy Forum donor, please join us and visit israelpolicyforum.org forward slash giving to make a gift today. Thank you. Now on to today's program. Late last month, we saw the fourth Israeli election since April of 2019. Uh, the consultations uh, between President Rivlin and the various party heads have apparently concluded, and he has uh, given Prime Minister Netanyahu the first opportunity to form a new government, while having qualified that by saying he doesn't think that there is the possibility of a government that will basically meet uh, the Knesset requirements. So we'll wait and see. Um, but there are also other significant stories to tell about the last few weeks in Israeli politics. And indeed, since the election, the very important topic of Arab integration in Israeli politics has come to the forefront. To help us break down this issue, we're fortunate indeed to be joined by Mesam Jaljuli. Mesam is the co-chair of Sikui, the Organization for the Advancement of Civil Equality in Israel. She also serves as the chairperson of the women's organization Naamat in the Southern Triangle region and is the chair of the Hadash political faction in Naamat. She serves on the boards of the Histadrut Labor Federation, the National Council for Road Safety, Itach Ma'aki, Women's Lawyers for Social Justice, and is on the coordinating committee of Omdim Biyachad. With that, Mesam, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for uh, having me here. I'm very glad to be to participate in this webinar. And uh, hello, everybody. Thank you. Mesam, before we go into the post-election news, let's take a step back. One of the big shakeups before March 23rd was the disintegration of the joint list, with one of its four constituent parties, Ra'am, leaving. Why did this happen and what impact did it have on Arab, on the Arab public in Israel's attitudes regarding the election? Okay, so um, let's uh, start not in this election. I will start in 2015 when the joint list was established for the first time. The joint list is a combination of three parties who works in the Arab society, in the Palestinian Arab society in Israel. The three, the four parties are Hadash, uh, uh, Ram, uh, Balad, uh, and uh, Taal. Uh, you know, sometimes you, we know the names of uh, the people who are uh, the chairperson of these parties: Hadash, Ayman Oudi, Taal, Kibi. Uh, Ram, Mansour Abbas, uh, and uh, Balad, it was in Tanis uh, Shahadi, and now Sami Abu Shahadi. So um, for the first time, they were uh, integrated, and we had the joint list. I think it was a very good news for every Arab citizen in Israel, because uh, uh, all the time, the people 
recommended this, uh, you know, unification of their parties because, you know, for the people, for the regular people, there is no a lot of differences between the parties because all these parties seek for peace, seek for social justice, seek for um, equality for the, the Palestinian citizens in Israel, but uh, the people that were not aware of, you know, the ideological differences between the parties. The activists in the parties, they knew what are the differences. But for the common people in the street, they really wanted this unification. And because of that, a lot of people went to vote. It's really increased the turnout of the thing in the Arab society in 2015. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the joint list didn't help too much because in the first election in 2019, they spread it again. And we had uh, two lists, two, every, two, every two parties went together. I will not talk a lot about it, but you know, uh, this was very disappointing for the, the people and uh, actually the voters punished them punish them for their uh, uh, disunification, and the people didn't go to vote. The, um, uh, the percent of voting was 55%, even 53%. And, and I think that the politicians learned the lesson very well in the second term of the election, they rejoined again. In the second election and third election, they, they rejoined again. But I think, you know, if you ask me about Mansour Abbas and why he decided to leave the joint part, the joint list, I will say that there are two reasons. And the most significant reason in my idea is that Benjamin, Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister, really succeeded to, uh, a, a, to influence Mansour Abbas and to influence Ram to leave the joint list and he had a lot of you know um uh, uh, he, he did a lot of work uh, in order to uh to have them uh, spread uh, i think that he also said to Mansour Abbas that he is going to um change his policies uh, and we will he give a lot of budgets for the arab sector for the arab society and I think the main reason was for Netanyahu because Netanyahu recognized what is the power of the joint list. The joint list reached in the last election 15 members. We had a 15 Knesset members from the joint list. And for Netanyahu, Netanyahu knew that he will never establish any, any government without the joint list. And he knew that the joint list will not support him. Because Hadash and Baal and uh, Balad will not support Netanyahu. So I, I think that uh, for him, it was a very brilliant political uh, movement, move, move, move uh, to spread the uh, joint list and really to, uh, to convince Mansour Abbas that he will do more for the, uh, for the Arab society. And the second reason, I think, is that Mansour Abbas and Ram is an Islamic party. They ideologically have an Islamic, they are a religious party. They, you know, if you are talking in the um, uh, Jewish society, they are like Shas, a, a religious party with a religious ideology. Uh, and um, I think that also they used 
this uh, uh, this ideology to tell the voters that we are preserved, we are preserving our culture, we are preserving our religions. So please come to vote for us, and especially after the uh, support of uh, Ayman Audi and uh, Khadash, especially Khadash for the LGBTQ community in 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 in, in the law of um, in the last law that supports the, uh, the LGBTQ community. So and they used it very much to tell the differences between them as a, um, a, a religious party, and you know and the difference between them and between the progressive uh, parties that they are not part of our conservative culture. So they use the two um, a, these two issues in order to tell their voters that we are not a part of the joint list, and they uh, support us because we are coming with a new vision, with a new political vision, you know. And they all the time in their uh, um, political commercial, they said we are coming with a new vision. The new vision says that we are not supporting not the right left or neither the uh, um, the center and the left wing we are um uh, we will support everyone who wants to uh, to help us developing our our uh, community and uh, and our society so this is a new you know a new political say this is a new political say in a way that we all the time as jointists and all the parties said that we will never support the uh, right wing because the right wing is bad for all of us. The right wing is preserving the occupation. The right wing is, you know, uh, having laws, uh, racist laws against us as minorities. But for the first time, Mansour Abbas came and scams and say, no, there is no real difference between the two sides. And, you know, it, it's uh, some kind of, uh, I don't know how to say it, um, uh, but it's some kind of, uh, you know, commercial issues. If they give us uh, more budgets, more uh, rights, so we will support them. And we, we, it's not important what, are the, what is their ideology of occupation and other issues. So these are the main reasons. I think that, you know, it's a time of, um, if you ask me what will happen, I don't know. I really don't know. Maybe Netanyahu will really go to, the, to them and tell them, please support me from the outside. And if Mansour Abbas and Ram supports Netanyahu from the outside and really Netanyahu will fulfill his, you know, um, a, a, um, uh, the things that he really um, said that he will give the Arab society. So it will be, you know, some kind of uh, a real success for Mansour Abbas. But if he failed uh, and uh, Netanyahu uh, will not come to Mansour Abbas and tell him support me, so it will be a very huge failure for this new vision. So this will come and we will see what happened. But, you know, I, I want to add something. I think that all the Arab parties now should learn a lesson from this election because also the service before the election and what happened in the election and now a service that were held after election says that the majority, the majority of the Palestinian citizens of Israel wants to, be, to influence Israeli politics. They want to influence from the inside, not from the outside. And this is I think all parties should take this to consideration and should think about it seriously. How will they influence? How they can say yes and not always no, 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 
even though it's very hard for me to say that because I think that a lot of uh, political issue is, issues in Israel are deserved to say no, but we should be more, uh, more clever dealing with Israeli politicians, Jewish Israeli politicians and Jewish Zionist parties. I have a lot more follow-up questions about the prime minister's outreach to Arab voters and Mansour Abbas and, and all that, which I'll get to in a minute. But um, could you talk a little bit about what, the, what issues were of the most concern to Palestinian Israelis in approaching the election? Um, it was very clear for, for us what, what are the issues that are important for us. The, one, the first issue and the most important issue was the increasing of um, violence and the increasing of crime uh, in, in our society. Actually, in the last, uh, let's say, 10, year, 10 years, we had uh, a huge problem with increasing violence and crimes in our society. Last year, in 2020, uh, 113 people were killed. And, you know, uh, the, the, it seems to be that the government is doing nothing about this and the police is, you know, is sleeping. Uh, most of the crimes, we till now, nobody knows who had crimes. We had a problem of a lot of what so-called uh, a criminal organizations that works in the Arab society and the government does nothing. So this is the main demand of the uh, Arab society. And this is also the main demand of, uh, of Ra'am and also the giant list that the government take responsibility and really um, uh, uh, to have solution for these problems and to have a real plan, a real plan to end the circle of violence and the crimes in our society. The second issue, I think it's the issue of housing. The issue of you know developing our uh, cities and villages, we know that this is a very um, a hurting uh, issues. The government is still dealing with us as you know not only as second class citizens but as an enemies. They are forbidden from us to build our houses. They are you know they are not having this budget in order to develop the Arab country, uh, the Arab uh, um, uh, villages and towns. Uh, and uh, this is a huge demand. There, is, there was a very racist law that uh, um, uh, in the Knesset, what's called a Kaminitz law, uh, that uh, makes make it easier to uh, demolish houses in the Arab society and it makes it uh, easier to, um, to punish people who, who are building their houses without permission. But we know what, why people are building houses without permission. They are doing so because the government don't give them the permission to build their own houses on their own land. So this is the second demand. And I think that the third demand is the, the, the integration in the Israeli um, uh, uh, work, uh, um, um, the Israeli economy. Uh, and this is a very important issue. In the last few years, we had a huge numbers of academics. A lot of uh, young people uh, uh, want to integrate the labor market in Israel and wanted uh, to be given the opportunity also to uh, develop in, uh, the labor market in Israel. So this is, these are the three main demands. Unfortunately, and I say unfortunately, in this election, we know we saw that um, um, 
the weight of the Palestinian-Israeli uh, conflict and, you know, ending the occupation was not one of the main issues that really uh, mattered for the people. And also nobody talked about the issue of occupation in this election. And I said, unfortunately, because this is, because myself, I think that uh, um, unless we solve the um, the issue of occupation, uh, nothing will be normal in this country. So you you mentioned earlier 2015 and that election, and of course we remember at the time that uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu uh, was really race baiting. In fact, he had the famous line uh, in Hebrew, "Ravim uh, norim lakalpi," the Arabs are are racing to the polls, basically, to get uh, Jews to turn out and vote for him. And of course, since that time, um, he has courted Kahanist racists from Otsma Yudid and other parties. But at the same time, in the lead up to this election, he was clearly uh, attempting to make inroads with Israeli Arab voters. For example, the speech he delivered in Nazareth back in January how was all of this perceived? And does any significant segment of the Israeli Arab public take Netanyahu seriously? Um, so let's begin. I think that Netanyahu also is learning from his uh, faults, or you know, uh, failures, let's say. He saw and he recognized that the strategy of, you know, uh, of uh, delegitimization of the Arab society and their, uh, the, the, the political parties is not working. And it actually is doing the, the opposite effect. Because when people heard Netanyahu back in, in 2015, and, we, and when we, they heard them also in the second, in the first and the second election, you know, uh, uh, really with a lot of incitement against the, uh, the Arab society, it's really integrated people to go to vote. People want to vote because of Netanyahu. And, I, and especially uh, me myself, I heard a lot of people, people who came to, to, the, to vote and said, we, we are coming to vote because we want the failure of Netanyahu. This racist man must, uh, his, his, uh, uh, he mustn't be a, 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 um, a, a prime minister in Israel. But this time, he when he when he saw that you know the, the um, uh, let's say the speech of hate, hatred, the speech of hatred is not working. He got the opposite strategy. No, I love you. You are my lovers, and you know the nation state law is not uh, against the Arabs. It's against maybe you know an aliens from the sky. So. Um, I think this is, it doesn't it didn't work. It didn't work, you know, and it didn't convince anybody. And the, the results show us show us that the Likud didn't have huge numbers of voters in the Arab society. Um, it's 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 so much like the the last election that they didn't increase too much. And also, I want to say that the other Zionist parties also didn't increase their influence in the Arab society. So it seems to be that. Uh, the Arab who wanted to who wanted who wanted to vote, they voted for the uh, le- the lists or the parties that uh, um, uh, for him represent, represents him and represents uh, uh, their ideologies. But the I think the most important thing here is the numbers of the voters. Only forty five percent of of uh, of the voters really went to vote. 45% is a very low number. And it, it means two things. 
The first thing, the people have no trust in Israeli politics. The people have no trust that the change will come. So they didn't believe Netanyahu and they didn't believe the speech of Netanyahu that we are coming for a new era. The second thing is that also they are uh, banishing the two uh, lists, the joint list and Ram, because they, because of you know the disunification. Uh, and the other important thing that I think that we, for myself, I'm afraid of it that when people lose lose, lose hope, so um, we we are getting to a very dark era. We are, and if nothing happens soon. It will be increasing and increasing, and I'm afraid in the the next election that may come in a few in a few months, uh, the numbers of uh, people uh, who will go to vote will be less and less, and this is, will be a catastrophe. That means that 20% of the uh, citizens of, of this country are not believing in its democracy, are not believing in their power of influence democracies, and this is uh, that means a catastrophe. On that last point, Maysam, do you see any way to boost the Israeli Arab turnout in the next election if it does happen in a few months? I mean, do you see, and I'll get to Mansour Abbas in a minute, but do you see any possibility that uh, Ra'am will rejoin the joint list and, and join forces? Or is there some other way to increase turnout? Because I, the election prior to this one had very high turnout, relatively speaking. I think it was in the 60s, was it not? Close to 60-something percent of... And, and, in Israel, in the, uh, in the whole population, it was 63%, 65%, I think. But in the Arab voters, the turnout was uh, only 45%. This is, you know... the uh, I mean, this time. Uh, yeah, yes, this I time. mean, from the last time. It was ah, much the higher last time. The last time was, uh, last yeah. time was 66, 67%. Right. One of the most, you know, uh, highest uh, percent of voting the last time. And, and, and for your question, for your, uh, if I want to answer you, I want to say uh, it depends. It depends of, you know, the development in the next few weeks. If really Netanyahu uh, will have uh, Sur Abbas in his government or you know, supporting his government from the inside, that, that will be a success of Sur Abbas and the success of the policy of integration. So uh, I think that it will convince more people to vote. But if Netanyahu will do with Mansour Abbas what Gantz did with the joint list last time, last election. So it will be, you know, uh, a real, uh, will be a real problem. And nobody will convince the people to go to vote because people will, the people will say, will say to themselves that we tried everything. We tried the, the, um, uh, the center-left parties, we tried the, uh, the uh, right-wing parties, and nothing works. Uh, and it will give, you know, uh, I think that the people will understand, our people will understand that they are not welcome in the Israeli politics. So they will stay at their homes. They will not, you know, you know, they, uh, they will not go to votes. It, it depends. And actually, I'm telling you, these days, I, <laughs> I know what will happen because all the... Um, the political, you know, um, uh, um, uh, developments, they are, 
all the time there are significant developments and nobody can, can understand what will happen in a few hours. So if Mansour will succeed, it will be a huge success, not only for Mansour Abbas, but for his way of integration with, with the left, with the right wing. But, he, but if he will not succeeding, I think that we'll all lose, not only. So back to uh, Mansour Abbas, as you know, last Saturday night, Motse Shabbat, he delivered a speech on primetime television, signaling as he has over the past few weeks that he's willing to work with either side in Israeli politics. He spoke a lot about coexistence and and working together. And uh, many Jewish Israelis responded very positively. They thought his remarks were historic. But are they really that different from the approach that's been taken by other Israeli Arab politicians? If so, how? And if not, why have the past overtures been overlooked? Um, and, what did you think, and what did you think of his speech, by the way? Yeah. Two minutes after his speech, I tweeted that he said nothing new. Everything that he said, I think not only Ayman Oudi said before him, but a lot of uh, Arab politicians, even back in the 1780s and 90s, said it. So there was nothing new about his speech. The only thing that was new is that the media, the Israeli media, the mainstream media was very interested in what Mansour Abbas will say. And the other thing that was new that, you know, Benjamin Netanyahu, Benjamin Netanyahu also was interested in, in, in Mansour Abbas. So this is the only thing that was new. I think it's very important, you know, for, for, for the first time, uh, an Arab leader is prime time in television. The whole Israeli channels are broadcasting his speech live. This have never happened, but he didn't see anything that... Other Arab politicians said all over the years, I think if talking about cooperation, if we are talking about a shared society, I think me as a member of Hadash, we are holding this ideology since the establishment of, the, of Israel. And uh, we are all the time spoke about, you know, a, a, a shared society and we are considered also the only Arab Jewish party Israeli politics so uh, he didn't say anything new but the the era is a new era so his speech was uh, very interested for Israelis for Jewish Israelis Um, but uh, that means when the right wing is interested so you became a hero but, uh, and I think that also uh, that the left and the, um, uh, the center can learn a lot from this, from, from what happened. Because when Netanyahu says something, it becomes, you know, a mainstream, it becomes legitimized. And all these years, these leaders of the left, of the, you know, the people who should have bring the change in Israel was afraid to say that we are willing to be a, in a partnership with Joint List. We are willing to be in a partnership with Naudi. They were very afraid. And they also say it, said it, said it that we are not, we have nothing joined with the Joint List. And Lapid said that he has nothing to do with Zorbiz. He, you know, Zorbiz is Hanin Zorbi, which was a member from Balad. So he, you know, um, for him, 
all our Knesset member were Zobis. But when Netanyahu changed his speech, they also are beginning to change the speech. It should have been the opposite. They, you know, uh, uh, 10 or 20 years ago, they should have bring the speech of shared society, the speech of legitimization of political uh, leaders. As uh, if I want to remind you, uh, Yitzhak Rabin and Tawfiq Tubi did in, uh, back in 1992-93. One more question so, about it's not the first time that the Arab uh, the Arab parties are part of you know political power. They were part of the political power in the second Arabian government, which is an important reminder to give the historical context. Uh, one more question about Mansour Abbas. As you know, there was some talk about him being a kingmaker, um, and yet, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Ram ended up with four mandates, if I'm right. Yeah. Uh, and why did he, as well as the remainder of the joint list, opt not to recommend any candidate to President Rivlin? How's this approach square with Israeli Arabs' desire for inclusion and representation in their government? Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's say that. Because, um, uh, first of all, I want to say that the two parties lost. Because, you know, lost of five Knesset members is a loss for all the parties. So uh, I'm not rushing you know, to celebrate also about celebrating his achievement. This is not achievement. This is, I think, a failure for all of us as a, as Arab society in Israel. And uh, what, the, the both of us didn't recommend, yes. I think Abbas is still having negotiation with, uh, with Netanyahu and that he didn't recommend and Netanyahu doesn't mean that the game, ended. The game is not ended for Mansour Abbas and for Netanyahu. They are still having the negotiations. Uh, and I think uh, uh, Netanyahu had a speech this evening. I realized from his speech that also is he is still opening the doors for the uh, for Mansour Abbas or for the legalization of, of Ram. Uh, for the joint list, I think that there, there were two problems with Lapid. Uh, the one problem was that Lapid didn't have the numbers of uh, recommendation that uh, really will help to, uh, to form a government. And the second issue was that uh, there were talks about agreements between uh, Lapid and uh, Bennett to, uh, you know, that Bennett will be the first in the, to be a prime minister. He will be two years, and then Lapid. This is, you know, I think this is a, um, a, a not acceptable, uh, not only for the joint list, but also for the voters of the joint list, because Bennett is, for us, is more dangerous than Netanyahu. I know that, you know, from a Jewish point of view, from the um, the left and the uh, and the center in, in Israel says that Netanyahu is the most dangerous uh, person because of his corruption. We as as uh, Arabs, citizens of Israel, we don't see, see it that way. We see that Bennett is more racist. Bennett is very well connected, you know, to the settlements and the settlers. And he is part of this, you know, uh, uh, the settlers. Uh, is very, you know, dangerous for the sort of, for resolving the uh, uh, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Uh, and the, he is more dangerous from Netanyahu from our point of view. 
So we will not uh, ban it. We will, yeah, you know, sometimes I say, I say it also. Sometimes I, I, I say to myself, no, I prefer Netanyahu over Bennett. If you come to me, Netanyahu or Bennett, I will tell you Netanyahu. And I have no, no doubts about it. Yes, it's corrupted. And it's, it's, it's weird and absurd that in, in the same day that people are recommending Netanyahu in front of a uh, president, he, he is holding a trial. So I think also in, in, in democratic, in a real democratic country, that thing can happen because if there are, there are accusations, accusations for a minister, he will, you know, he will, uh, I don't know, he will resign. He will not continue his, uh, his work. But this is very absurd, you know, in the same day people are recommending him and he is having a trial. So, uh, but if you look at our point of view, I think that also my point of view, I think that Bennett is more dangerous from Netanyahu because ideologically he is more dangerous. Netanyahu more pragmatic than, than Bennett. Right. Um, so we've been speaking a lot about Ra'am and the joint list, but what about other Arab representation in other parties? How well have other lists done in representing the Arab minority? And how effective of Arab candidates for parties like Labour and Merit's been in connecting with the public? And we have a question from Robert Turner about what percentage of uh, Arab voters voted for other than either the joint list or Ra'am in this mm-hmm. election. Um, let's say I'm glad for every Arab member, especially when it comes from the left, uh, from the left wing. Because I know that Knesset, the Knesset member will really serve society. So I also congratulate Raida Zorbi, Isawifrej, and Ibtisam Marani for joining the Knesset and being a Knesset member. I think that they will do a lot if they will have the opportunity and we will not have an election in a few months. Um, but uh, if we are looking about the you know, percentage of voters for the Zionist uh, parties, the Jewish parties, there's no, no differences to, from, between this election and the, the last election. Actually, most of the voters voted for the two, for Joint List and for Ram. Again, I will say that the most important thing is that the most of the people stayed home. Mm-hmm. This is the issue here, that a lot of people uh, choose to stay home and not getting out. And so um, I think that Merits, you know, it's very weird because we have, Merits had two candidates and they didn't get more votes than the last election. So it's very important. And the, uh, the Labour Party, the, you know, they were, they, they didn't, Get, I think they got uh, uh, less than one percent of the voters in the Arab society. So they could vote got more voters than the, these two parties. Wow. Yeah. Um, what kind of work is being done outside of the community? And I will tell you why. I tell you why. Please. You know, although there were uh, two candidates, you know, two candidates in merits and one candidate in in in, uh, in the Labour Party. I think that the voters think that the two parties are not really connected to the real issues of the society. 
they are not really connected, you know, and uh, and and if you want to be connected to the, the issues of the Arab society, you should be influencing, you should be with the people in the Arab society. And you know what, I, I personally was very disappointed, for example, from uh, uh, from Michaeli that uh, we held a, a very... Um, a very important session in Tel Aviv, uh, the mothers who, who um, uh, lost their children in crime in crimes had, um, uh, and I, I, I really, uh, I work with these mothers, had a, um, a very important uh, demonstration in Tel Aviv. And Mirav Michaeli chose not to be in this demonstration and not to speak to the people. So we are, you know, bringing the issues that important for us for to Tel Aviv. And a few days before the election, Yumirav chooses not to speak the problems that faces the Arab society. That says that these issues are not important for you. Because if you feel that these issues are important, you will do the best to come and to speak in front of these people. Um, before I get to audience questions, and I do want to remind people, if you have a question, please type it in the Q&A box. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what kind of work is being done outside of the Knesset to further Arab integration in Israeli politics? I mean, you just gave an example of something, you know, that that wasn't done that that might have encouraged uh, more Arab voters for labor. But in any event, could you talk a little bit about what work is being done outside the Knesset uh, on this issue? I think that most of the work is <laughs> is have been outside of the Knesset. I think that you know they are still a civic organization and the NGOs are doing a lot of work in order also to uh, bring the two societies together and to to um, bring solidarity so solidarity between the two societies. And I think that in the last year we saw that. There's a lot of changing that are happening in the field. And organizations like Omdim Biyahad, which really tries to all the time to organize people uh, uh, through issues like this, uh, social issues, political issues, uh, had a lot of, of work this year. And I think that uh, I will give you an example. I said that the most important issue now is the issue of crimes and violence in the Arab society. And for the first time, we saw hundreds of uh, Jewish people uh, participating in demonstration in Emilchem against violence and, uh, uh, and crimes, and also participating in demonstration in Julia. I think that this is a new, this is a new um, a kind of a shared society that we are, a, that, that is becoming um, an issue right now. And a lot of, a, especially the, the left wing in Israel, the Jewish left wing in Israel understands that in order to, um, to bring Arab to feel that they are welcomed, in the political uh, sphere, you need also to be in solidarity with their issues. It's not important, you know, go to vote, go to vote, it's very important. People will not buy this. People will buy you, uh, will, will believe you if you are really connected to the daily problems, if you are really connected to the daily life, you know, um, the daily life, uh, uh, Let's say like that um, of, of their issues, the important issues for them. It's not it's not important for me, or it's not important for me to tell you, no the Israeli democracy for Arabs. 
like me, we are not, you know, really um, seeing the Israeli democracy. For us, democracy is something that you are talking about, but we are not feeling this democracy. If you want a real democracy, you should defend us, defend us as a minority, because democracy, the, the real exam of democracy is the, uh, uh, the situation of minorities and the, the ability to defend minorities. So if you have this ability to defend as minority, so we really will feel as a part of the society and we will try to do everything in order to maintain this uh, uh, partnership. So I'm gonna to turn to audience questions. We have a few, uh, several actually. And first one comes from, well, we had Robert Turner. And uh, now Alan Divac asks, uh, one of Bibi's legacies is to remove the conflict and the occupation from public discourse. As you said, no party was really talking about it in this election. Has this ironically opened up a space for Arab parties to participate more freely from the inside? What are the prospects for making the occupation an issue again? Well, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it all the time. I, I, I don't have a good answer for you. What, 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 should we do with, what should we do to make the occupation an issue again? I think that um, more and more people feel disconnected with the occupation because they don't see it in their eyes neither Arabs and Jewish people, because even if you live in Tel Aviv or even if you live in, in Nazareth, you don't see the, you know, the, uh, the occupation in your eyes. And when something is really, you know, um, it's not part of your daily life, so you will not imagine it. You will not have the ability to imagine it. And unfortunately, uh, I think that the... Um, uh, also, if I want to blame, also I can blame also the Palestinians. That in the, the, I'm a Palestinian, but the Palestinian in the West society, in the West Bank, that uh, also uh, are not doing their best in order to maintain the uh, the Palestinian case uh, in, in in you know in the media. And uh, I think that. Um, um, the Palestinian Authority is failing uh, a failure after a failure to uh, uh, to maintain the Palestinian issue as an important issue wild wild world world um, and let's say that I hope that the election in the Palestinian Authority will bring some change winds of change uh, because uh, change is not needed also in Israel change is also in the Palestinian Authority and in West Bank. Uh, for myself, as um, I think that we should all the time talk about occupation. Yes, this is not, you know, something that uh, it's now, it's not, you know, in the mainstream, but uh, this is our role to see, still and speak and do a, um, a, a lot of also a lot of things to, to, to really bring the end of the equation. And uh, this is, again, it's not easy. It's not easy because we had criticism from everyone. And especially when we are talking to the, uh, the young people and sometimes you hear a sentence like, ah, you all the time talking about the occupation, but meanwhile, we are not having the opportunity to build our houses, meanwhile, uh, every, day, every day we have people killed in our streets inside the Arab villages 
And sometimes you don't have a good answer. The good answer that I have is that I'm sure, I'm, I'm convinced that if there will not be a, a real a solution for the occupation or the occupation, we will not have peace inside ourselves also in Israel. So uh, we have a question from Paul Lips. He says, in, in the Druze sector, 26% voted for Israel Beitenu and 18% for Likud. In talking about Israeli-Palestinians, do you see this 7% group as an integral part of it? Again, I didn't have the question. The, in the Druze, among the, ah, Druze, the, Druze. the Druze, so mm. 26% voted for Beitenu and 18% for Likud. So, um, I mean, obviously the Druze are a separate society and have a different no, it's identity. Not a separate but... society for me is a, is a part of the Arab society. And I yeah, okay, I'm sorry, Druze I misspoke. Arab, but... but yeah, but they're, 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 uh, they vote a lot different from the Arab society. Uh, I think that the Likud, the Druze, uh, understand something that um, they didn't vote for the Likud this time because of the national state law. I think that the, the, the nationalist law influenced the Druze a lot. And they suddenly realized, they suddenly realized that uh, you know, the whole speech of brotherhood about brothers in blood and blah, blah, blah is not really working because uh, the nationalist law also, uh, because of the, the nationalist law, they became like the other Arabs are second-class citizens. So a lot of Druze banished the Likud. They didn't vote for Likud. Israel Bitenu, if you notice, Israel Bitenu in this election, they said they are against this law. Liberal understand that if he wants the votes of the Druze and if he wants to be relevant for the Druze, he must change this discourse, discourse. And they became more and more liberal this time, this election. And he talked about changing the nation-state law. And because of that, a lot of Druze voted for, uh, for Lieberman. And uh, let's not forget that there were a candidate, a candidate in, the, in, the, in, the, in Israel Bitenu. So the Druze all the time, um, it's something that we know that if, if you have a Druze candidate in any party, so a lot of us vote for him. In the last election, if you remember, there was uh, the Radim um, Raya. Uh, that uh, a Druze, the first Druze woman in the Knesset, uh, she was a candidate with Kholavan. And a huge number of Druze voted for Kholavan because of uh, Radir. So uh, it's very important if you want to have the, the Druze voters, you should have a Druze candidate in a, in a good, blessed good in, 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 the, in the party on the list. Uh, we have a question from Jean Nassi. Are you worried about the conservative effects on women with the rise of an Islamic religious party? Yes, but my answer is yes. I'm very concerned. There are, you know, especially uh, Ram is a very conservative party and they are, you know, they are not a big supporters of the rights. Uh, and yes, this is makes me conscious. This makes me also um, worried about you know uh, about issues uh, that should progress our situation as Arab women in Israel. 
we have a couple of questions about the uh, normalization agreements. Uh, Evan Gosman says, it seemed that the Israeli Arab public was supportive of the normalization agreements between Israel and other Arab states that took place last year. As you noted, the trend seems to be supporting for working inside the system, not outside. However, the joint list voted against ratifying the agreements. Why did they vote this way? And how was this decision perceived by the Israeli Arab public? And let me add to that, John Allen asks, what is the view in the Arab society of the Israel of the Abraham Accords and their impact on the Israeli-Palestinian issue? Okay, so um, I will divide my answer to two parts. Uh, I think yes, the population, the 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 Arabs in Israel were um, for them every opportunity of normalization and the peace agreement with the with Arab countries is very significant because they are you know. Um, all the time, they dreamed of open borders to go uh, from country, Arab country to other country freely. So, and we saw, you know, a month after the agreements, most of the uh, tourists and Emirates were, uh, were Arabs from Israel. Uh, but it doesn't mean that they, they are... Um, they agree for the for this um, uh, normalization because of political issues. They want to live, you know. They want to uh, to join their life and also see economic or maybe opportunities for peace. But down inside, they know that this normalization without uh, having a solution for the Palestinian Israeli conflict and ending the occupation you know, will weakness the Palestinian people. So if you hear people talking with each other, they will say, yes, they, eh, all the Arab countries are traitors. They all, you know, sold the Palestinian issue. And they, But in the second hand, they benefit from this speech because they can suddenly visit the Arab countries, you know, see them. So it's sometimes, you know, it's very tricky to answer the question. Uh, the joint list uh, against the, these agreements because of the, the Palestinian issue, because the, the, for the joint list, uh, uh, unless you solve the, the Palestinian issue, there is no legitimization of a, a normal uh, relationship with Israel because from the point of view of the joint list, the Arab country must, you know, influence Israel and have a pressure on Israel to end occupation and, you know, helping establishing a Palestinian state. So uh, I think politically the joint list uh, did the right thing because they, um, because, you know, you cannot say that you are with norm normalization with Arab countries without solving the real problem. And I want to remind you also when the, with the peace of Egypt back in the 1979, also the all parties were against this agreement. And also months after the agreement, most of the tourists in Egypt were up. So this is not, you know, this is not but it's not a conflict, you know. You can you can be against this uh, relationship, but you are the first one to be to visit uh, the Arab countries. So um, uh, for us, I think uh, um, the most dangerous thing in, uh, in in the whole century deal of was also the part that, uh, you know, can um, um, 
the part of the triangle, because there was a part that Netanyahu after that said, no, I didn't mean, there was a part that in the triangle, my area, the area that I live in, moved to, and to be a part of the Palestinian state and not part of Israel. That means that Netanyahu and Trump had agreed to, uh, you know, um, to actually to to make us a refugees. I don't know what, what can I call it because I um, I suddenly discovered that after 73 years, I'm a citizens on conditions that, you know, Netanyahu might say, move me to another place. Netanyahu can, you know, draw another borders. And this is, I think that this issue was really a, an issue that, uh, that influenced a lot of people, especially in the triangle. Uh, and people suddenly realized that uh, their existence here as citizens, citizens of Israel uh, in, in condition is not, you know, a permanent thing that you, you can thought, thought, think about it. So uh, this is my answer. Uh, we have a question um, about Mansour Abbas that he supported Hamas in their wars with Israel. So why would he ever be included in a government? Um, I don't know if he really supported Hamas. Mm-hmm. I, did, I, I really don't know. I think that all, all Arab parties in Israel are supporting the Palestinian struggle and not supporting, you know, uh, some kind of uh, this party or this, you know, Hamas or Fatah uh, for, for, for us as Palestinians, Israeli Palestinians, the support is not the support of Hamas, it's the support of Palestinian struggle, is being against the wars in Gaza, is being against killing innocent people in Gaza. And for us, you know, you know, you can say that Hamas is, uh, is ruling Gaza, but for me and for other Palestinians, we know the truth, the truth is Israel is still ruling Gaza, and Gaza is becoming the, uh, the biggest prison in the world. And, uh, and this affects not, not only Palestinians, it affects all of us. And yes, I, I, don't, I, I myself, I don't uh, like Hamas, but I, I know that uh, uh, Hamas is ruling Gaza. And, uh, and in order to solve problems, you should negotiate with the people who are ruling in Gaza, and also you should negotiate the, the, the Palestinian Authority. Uh, and you know what? I think that Israel and Netanyahu uh, and his government have relationship with Hamas more than uh, Ram has relationship with Hamas. And we know that uh, with the help of Qatar uh, and the money that uh, Qatar brings to Gaza, uh, we are maintaining kind of status quo in uh, in Gaza. So. I don't think that, you know, the right wing is the right one to talk about supporting Hamas or not supporting Hamas. And let's remember that the one who established Hamas in the first place was Israel and was the Israeli government. And documented, I'm not bringing, you know, awards. It's documented and it's historically well known because they thought that if they will, you know, will have another power, political power, so Fah will, will, will demolish and... You know, sometimes you you think about things, but the history uh, thinks in another way. We have time for maybe one or two more questions. Um, Aaron Weinberg asks if you if you see a chance that Mansour Abbas will be a defensive block for Bibi in any formulation. 
I think that this is, you know, the agreement with Bibi will be that he will be a defensive block for Bibi. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, if, you know, the, um, uh, the plan, Bibi plan will work well and he will really convince his camp to, uh, to accept Mansour Abbas, this is the role of Mansour Abbas. He will be a defensive block for Bibi, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And Harriet Samuels asks, if Arab parties are in the government, will this in any way affect security briefings? In, in which way? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think you've had an Arab party in a coalition government before, right? So I guess the question is, would they receive the same security briefings as everybody else? I, I, I think that uh, uh, T once was a member of the security committee in the Knesset. I don't know. I don't remember which year. But he was a member of the uh, defense committee, so he got, I think, a security briefing. I think that if you are a citizen in this country, you should have also, a, a, you should be a, a, full, a full citizenship. And full citizenship, that means that you, you will be a part of every issue, also security issues and economic issues. And the, for me, there is no difference between security issues and different issues. You are a citizen here, and you should have this briefing uh, also. There's a, a question. I don't know if that will happen, but right, I, uh, right. this is, you know, this is my vision that uh, should be. But uh, I don't know if it's a realistic, you know. Uh. Last question comes from Abraham Kleinman. Do you think the fact that Arab youth are not required to serve in the IDF or even perform community service is a factor in um the difficulties with more fully integrating Israeli Arabs into Israeli society? Um, I said that. I, I, I believe that, you know, and I said, unfortunately, I will say that we all know that in Israel, the real idea or the real interest, the real interest for Israeli society is serving in the army. And who created, and the, the, the Israeli governments and the Israeli governments created the issue for Israelis. And we know, we, we live here and we say that, that you know, we, we know that the uh, serving in an army is a very uh, uh, important issue for all uh, Jewish Israeli youth. And I think also that this is not right because, uh, you know, in, in, in a real um, let's say, in a real democratic country, this is, should it be the issue, you know, the machoism, the, 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 um, the, the army. The army takes a lot of place in Israel, and this is our problem in Israel. This is a problem. This is, you know, not a good thing from my point of view. And no, I don't want to see my children joining the army. I don't want to see our children part of the military. I don't want to see my children having guns or having, you know, uh, 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 participating in any kind of military action. And I think that this is doing good for our children, that they are not poisoned with this poison, which is called an army. Uh, but in, other way, in another way, I think that we should also have alternatives in order to help our youth to uh, integrate the Israeli society before finishing high school and before, you know, uh, uh, going to the universities or to workplaces. And uh, this effort needs uh, the help of the Ministry of Education. It needs the help of um, uh, 
the governments itself. Uh, there is a lot of alternative problem, uh, excuse me, alternative uh, programs that really can integrate uh, Arab youth in Israeli society, uh, but the government is not willing, you know, to uh, budget them and to make them part of a, a, of a, a, a real program that really integrates youth. We have, uh, I think, I'm for myself, I, I report, you know, a year of volunteering uh, and helping uh, um, like, uh, our community and Jewish communities. This will help uh, this youth integrate more and more in the Israeli society. So there are a lot of effective ways, either the army. Uh, my son, unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. But thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us this evening. It's been really fascinating to hear your perspective um, once again, I want to thank our supporters who are with us on today's call. Your generosity makes programs like this one possible. Again, if you have not yet done so, please consider making a contribution today at israelpolicyforum.org forward slash giving. Thank you all so much for joining us. Once more, I encourage you to subscribe to our podcast, Israel Policy Pod. Sign up to receive the weekly Kaplo column in your email inbox and visit our website to access recordings of our previous briefings. Please stay tuned for an announcement regarding our next video briefing, which will take place next Tuesday, April 13th at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Remember, if it's Tuesday, it's an IPF webinar. My Sam, Shukran, thank you so much for joining us. It was really great to meet you by Zoom, and I, I hope to meet you in person the next time I'm in the region. I, I hope to meet you soon, and, uh, you know, health for all of us. and. Uh, I hope that we really will see us, uh, we'll see each other face to face very soon. Inshallah. <laughs> Thank you. Inshallah. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.